Today is the last installment in our sermon series, Church 8.0, which is based in our church's new vision statement, a place to belong, believe, and love like Jesus. Today's message is learning to love like Jesus. Two features of our worship amplify this theme. First, today is Pentecost, the day we celebrate the coming of God's Spirit to indwell the followers of Jesus and begin the formation of Christ's church. Secondly, it is as the first Sunday of the month we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Last week, Emily helped us understand the different uses of the word love and how God's love, as related through the biblical word agape, is distinct from our common human forms of love such as romantic and family love, love between friends, or love of beauty or things. Divine love reflects God's nature and character. God's love is giving and life-generating. It's unconditional and unequaled. Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we remember, receive, and reiterate how God's love is supremely demonstrated for us and Jesus' death on the cross. Similarly, Jesus said, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, God's presence would be with us always, and that as our teacher, the Holy Spirit would, quote, remind us of all that Jesus had to say, end quote. And it is the Holy Spirit who works in us to produce godlike qualities, which Paul describes as fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As we hear and contemplate today's scripture reading, we will see how both the significance of the Lord's Supper and the work of the Holy Spirit directly relates to our learning to love like Jesus. The most pointed command Jesus gave to his disciples one that is reiterated throughout John's gospel and letters is concentrated in today's passage, John 15, 12 through 17. Let us turn our attention to the hearing of God's word as read for us by Patrice Freire. This morning's scripture reading is found in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in his name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Amen. 
As you know, I advocate that we, as a congregation, attend memorial services whenever possible. When memorial speakers tell of someone's life story, we find ourselves challenged by their choices and use of time. Last weekend, at the memorial held for Sally and Clyde Du Bois, their son Steve said, quote, My parents had the kind of love in them that was like that of Jesus. End quote. I cannot think of a better compliment to sum up one's life as a follower of Jesus. To be a disciple is a lifelong process of learning to live and love like Jesus. From this passage, I discern three characteristics of the kind of love that Jesus modeled and taught his followers. First, Jesus' kind of love is personal. He said, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. God's love is never abstract or ideal, but it's specific and personal. Jesus commands us to love one another. Earlier in John's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus spoke of this as a new command. And this is the only place in John's Gospel where he employs the, this word new. But how is it new when Mosaic Law stated in Leviticus 19.18 and commanded God's people to, quote, love your neighbor as yourself? What's new about the command to love one another? is that Jesus is not speaking of love to all people, but love within the community of Jesus' followers. The love Christians have are to have for one another because of Christ's love for us. We belong to a community that has been created on the basis of Jesus' saving work. Relationships within this community are of paramount importance because our ability to love one another is the distinguishing mark that we belong to Christ. Jesus said people will, will know we are his disciples if we love one another. No Hallmark card will inspire you to convey Jesus' kind of love. It is a verb, an action that is readily detectable. This way of life is what permeates and sums up the thinking and behavior of Jesus' followers. Our motivation to love one another is directly related to Jesus' personal love for us. Who better to show love than we who know what it means to be rescued from brokenness and isolation, from weariness of being self-reliant, or our need for a second chance? from feeling insecure, unworthy, and rejected. God's love in Jesus has met us in our need and renewed us and revitalized our sense of being made in God's image. God's love in Jesus has oriented us to a life of purpose. To love like Jesus is to make love personal and specific toward another. We learn to love in a setting that is safe, where love is expected and forgiveness is possible. From such a personal experience of learning love and growing familiar with its values, we then are better able to fulfill the command to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
It's easy to speak words of criticism and judgment when we lump people into a category or differentiate ourselves from them by stereo stereotyping others with some group we disapprove of. But when we know someone personally and we start to care about them and their well-being, we are less inclined to be dismissive or say something that might cause that person harm. Whenever we form circles that bond us together, we invariably create a situation where someone may feel left out or be identified as an outsider. Learning to love like Jesus means we pay attention to our behavior and to our use of language. We begin to notice if we're separating ourselves or creating distance with others by referring to them or they. Recently, I heard comedian Michael Che, who is African-American, share how he processed the backlash of people objecting to the use of the words Black Lives Matter. Why not say all lives matter, they would insist. And Choi Che pointed out that that would be like having your spouse walk up to you and say, do you love me? And you reply, honey, I love everybody. Jesus' kind of love is personal. It lets us know we specifically are the one he loves. At the same time, I appreciate St. Augustine's ability to convey God's love as personal and all-encompassing in this simple prayer. He prayed, O oh, you most good omnipotent who cares for every one of us, as if you cared for each alone, and so for all, as if all were but one. You made me, your, you made me for yourself, and my heart is restless until it rests in you. The second observation I would make about Jesus' kind of love is that it is sacrificial. He says, no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. From the context, we know that Jesus has the cross in mind here. Jesus is preparing his disciples to understand the events that are about to unfold as a demonstration of God's love. It is the result they will forever know that love, as a result, they will forever know that love is an event more than a word. Few of us are capable or willing to lay down our life for the sake of another person. Such an act goes beyond human nature. This act of self-sacrifice on the part of Jesus is what Paul described as God's atonement for sin, which brought about the redemption of the world. None of us can love like that. It's more than a heroic impulse we sometimes hear about when a soldier falls on top of a grenade to prevent injury or harm befalling others in his or her unit. Jesus' act of love was anticipated, planned, and carried out with intentional resolve to fulfill the will of God. Jesus gives everything, even life itself, for others. We are not the Messiah. However, we can show love derived from God that is sacrificial. 
love that goes beyond conventional norms, love that is giving and costly and does not expect something in return. The kind of love Jesus illustrated by his parable of the Good Samaritan, a person who defied the religious and social barriers of his day to help a person in need and give of himself and his resources to provide for the injured man's care and recovery. The third observation I would make about Jesus' kind of love from this text is that it's generative. Jesus says, I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I prefer to use the word generative over fruitful because as Americans, we quickly fixate on results. Fruit is only possible if the whole system of a plant's life is healthy. The image Jesus used of our ability to be productive and fruit-bearing is to stay connected to him the way a branch is connected to a vine. It is first a matter of being rather than doing, being connected to Christ so that God's love might flow in and through us. Otherwise, we become self-focused and make the development of God-like character a matter of our own effort and striving rather than the result of God's grace and God's love. In addition to the image of a vine, Jesus speaks of his relationship with his disciples in terms of friendship. By calling his disciples friends, he points out that a servant does not know what his master is doing. As friends, Jesus has kept nothing hidden from us. He has revealed to us what the Father has made known to him. Jesus has taken his disciples and us completely into his confidence, and they have become united in a mutual relationship of love and a shared purpose. Jesus reiterates the sustaining power for our ability to love lies with him, not with us. The usual pattern for a student to become associated or attached to a rabbi was a matter of a student choosing whom to follow. But not so with Jesus. You did not choose me, he said. I chose you. It is out of this personal relationship of love and loyalty to the one who loves us more than we can imagine that we begin to love one another and learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. This story told by Lloyd Smith illustrates this beautifully. Lloyd was helping at the living room, one of our community service partners that provides respite care and support services for women at risk and their children. Lloyd was there on the grounds to provide some security and safety for the clients. When it was near closing time, one of the female clients approached him and asked if he would give her a ride. Hesitant to do so for very good reasons, Lloyd nevertheless acquiesced and said, I suppose so. She turned away to go retrieve her belongings and realized she forgot to mention a possible deal breaker. She told Lloyd, I have a bicycle. Lloyd said, that's okay. I have a van and it will fit in the back. Relieved by his generous response, the woman exclaimed, thank you, Jesus. 
Two small boys playing nearby overheard the exchange, and one of them looked up at Lloyd with surprise in his eyes and asked, Mr., are you Jesus? Before Lloyd could answer, a fellow volunteer said, No, but he's got some of Jesus in him. I doubt many of us will be mistaken for Jesus, but the Holy Spirit is able to help us reflect more of Jesus' likeness so that people will see some of Jesus in us. May it be so. Amen.